And now, The Mentors, one of the most popular and unique shows on the radio today. Each week, one of our four remarkable CEOs, including Tom Lord, John Phillips, and Rick Brutico, will challenge your thinking about life and work. Sought after for their success and for consistently putting people first, treating employees and customers with respect, and helping others succeed, now these same CEOs, the mentors, want to help you achieve your highest level of profitability, success, and personal fulfillment in life, at work, and in business. Now, here's your mentor. Hey, welcome to the show. It's great to have you with us today. And if you're a new listener, welcome to one of the most engaging shows on the airwaves. If you're a seasoned listener to The Mentors, you know something's up because you've never heard my voice on the radio before. Let me introduce myself. My name is Karen Walker. I'm the founder and producer of The Mentors Radio Show, and I'm usually behind the scenes. But today we have a very special show. Very special. As you know, typically, each of our wonderful CEO mentors take turns hosting the show, talking with guests, and answering your questions about business and career. But today, we're turning the tables. Today, for the first time ever, all of the mentors are here in the studio today. We're crowded around a little desk with four boom microphones, and there's a lot of energy in the room. So instead of the mentors interviewing other people, we're interviewing them. So our goal is to give you a chance to get to know each of these remarkable CEOs just a little bit better. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's a lot of energy here, as I've said eight times. And just to keep you going, we'll bring on a surprise guest during the second half of the show, a 26-year-old go-getter, soon to be married, and he has lots of questions about career growth and life balance. The mentors will get a chance to mentor him. You don't want to miss any of it because you'll learn a lot. Now, before we get started, I want to quickly share a little secret with you. You've never heard this before, but I have to tell you that each of our remarkable hosts, Tom Laurie, John Phillips, Rick Brutico, has been and continues to be a mentor for me. They've each helped me understand and think differently about sales, about financing, about prioritizing, running a business, managing cash flow, and much, much more. In my case... I'm a liberal arts major with a master's in philosophy. I have a passion for teaching. I taught high school. If you can do that, you can do anything, right? I have a passion for teaching, writing, public relations, a lot of branding and marketing communications. And I have great skills in these areas. I've even won awards. But when I launched my own business, I needed help. It is not easy. It's a great adventure, but it's not easy to run your own business. I realize, especially now, that no one achieves greatness on their own. We really do need a team to succeed, and not any team, but the right team. And we need the right mentors, advisors who can change and evolve over time with us, or we get new mentors. But we need advisors who are ethical, who put people first, who treat others with respect, who care about other people succeeding. These CEOs in this room embrace and live their lives every day by these ethical standards. They have each been an integral part of my team. That's why I encourage you, as you're sitting there, write down this website, thementorsradio.com, thementorsradio.com. Call in, ask questions, make comments, give feedback, but most of all, ask your questions. What are you studying with? 
What are you struggling with? That's what makes this show extra special. We have these accomplished CEOs right here who are willing to do something very few CEOs are willing to do. These CEOs choose to take time out of their massively busy lives to be here with you each week. They're only here for you, just like they've been there for me. So that website, again, is thementorsradio.com. Now, today, we'll be going around the table, each spending a little time with each mentor to get to know them a little better. And we'll start with Rick, Rick Brudico. Then we'll go to John and then Tom. So, Rick, this is kind of a big question I'm asking you, but introduce yourself. Tell us what you're doing now. Tell us a little bit about your background, just highlights, your passions, your interests, and tell us why you're hosting this show. What do you hope to achieve? What difference do you hope to make? Well, thank you, Karen. It's a pleasure to be here today with these other two fine gentlemen and to uh, really have an opportunity to be part of something new and exciting and energizing like this. And I'm looking forward to the questions we're going to get in the final segment. But my background and lead into your question about why I want to do this show with the mentors. So I started as a, a, as a design engineer, a techie design engineer. And um, when I worked in the, in the IT industry way back when, my problem was that I li- while I liked what I was doing, I liked much more working with people, the production side of it. Somehow I was fortunate or unfortunate enough to get into the problem of trying to market a mainframe computer system way back in the 70s. And when I met the marketing people, I thought to myself, now they really understand the business. It was kind of neat to sit in your little room and draw pictures all day and make all these various little notes about what you're going to do and do different formulas and look up things in books and look at suppliers. But it really kind of was isolating for me. So I decided I want to move on and do other things. It caused me to get my MBA. And it also caused me then to start to work in areas other than just electronics and the IT field. Along the way, after working for two, three Fortune 500 companies, actually, I decided that I could do something on my own. So I started my own company. And this company was an IT company, a service company, located about 35 miles from Los Angeles. The problem with that is in those days, Los Angeles, 35 miles from Los Angeles, was out in the middle of nowhere. And so that particular thing gave me a new experience that I never had before. I went to a conference, and at the conference, this gentleman gave a lecture, and at the end of the lecture, he said, everybody needs a mentor. At the end, I walked up and talked to him, and I said, hi, I have a question for you. Will you be my mentor? What shocked me is he said yes, and he became my board member, my mentor, longtime friend, and really taught me a lot of the ways of what, how to make business go and what to do. So from my perspective, being a mentor, helping other people is something that I feel I have to give back and be part of. And therefore, when, you have the, when I had the opportunity to work with these gentlemen and work in this media, I thought that's a great way to proceed forward. So I guess where it's taken me is I look at my career and I say, in every place that I've been, I've either tried to mentor somebody or I have tried to listen to someone who can mentor me. And I think I'll be, I'd be surprised. I noticed you said that we've mentored you. And I know in our relationship, some of the things that you've told me have mentored me. I really believe mentoring is a back and forth process because there are things that you understand that I don't and hopefully things I've experienced that others don't. So I'm hopeful that what I can do is contribute to that and grow in this particular medium. I know you're going to be great, Rick. And in fact, what Rick didn't say is he actually mentored someone on his flight up here from Southern California. So... So I'm going to take a break now. We'll be right back. We've been talking with Rick Brudico on The Mentors Radio. 
and see you on the other side of the break so you'll learn about our other great mentors. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Mentors Radio. We've just heard from Rick Brudico, one of our mentor hosts. Today, we've turned the tables. We're interviewing our mentors. And we're going to now focus on John Phillips, who has a very interesting background. John, same questions. Introduce yourself. Tell us a little about what you're doing how you got where you are, and tell us why you're doing this show. What's important to you? What difference do you want to make? Thanks for asking me to be one of the mentors. I'm looking forward to this opportunity. So my name is John Phillips, and I'm the president and owner of Willett Hauser Architecture Glass and Associated Crafts. We're one of the largest stained glass studios in the country, if not the world. My wife and I started Associated Crafts back in 1997. In 1997, we started with absolutely nothing, basically in our office, in our house, we were able to go through, you know, starting at the beginning, did everything ourselves. I was head of marketing, head of sales, head of production, low part of production. And Mary, of course, was by my side the entire time. Uh, we worked very hard from day one doing everything ourselves. I did not have a formal education. I was uh, had to basically learn everything myself. And through that time, I was the one reason I was able to educate myself in business was being able to ask guys like these two sitting in this room who are just amazing. And people were able to answer me and direct me. I also had to spend a lot of time working very hard to educate myself as well. You know, fortunately, the Internet was, been, was very beneficial. You could read a lot of things. And, and you basically had to just keep failing and keep coming back until you succeeded. We were fortunate in a very short time. We were able to grow that company into being one of the bigger stained glass studios in the country. And then... After about five years, six years, uh, here recently, more recently, three years ago, we were, had the opportunity to purchase our largest competitor and kind of the icon of the stained glass industry here in the United States. Since that time, we've been blending the two cultures and companies together, and uh, we've had a great deal of success. We've actually increased sales and things uh, with both in production, and, and I'm very happy with it. We've been able to bring in a lot of people, attract a lot of talent. So that's been what we've worked on for the last, you know, that's been my career. And uh, I, my start was I did know a little bit about the stained glass business because my father had a small studio. After he would work for the company we just purchased, he'd start his own studio. So I was able to grow up and see the technical side of it and learn a little bit then and was able to continue it until uh, Mary and I was, you know, had reached, started Associated Crafts. It's been, it's been a lot of work, but we're sure glad to do it. And now... Fortunately, we also have both of our kids in the business, and it's a big family business now. I was interested, you know, with meeting so many people. I've, a lot of people see our lifestyle. We, we have kind of a unique hobby. We do a lot of team roping, me and my wife, and I've actually been roping at some of the pro rodeos uh, as a permit holder at 50-something, uh, which is kind of unique. It's, it's something that I, we weren't able to do early on. Uh, Mary and I had got married and had a family started. And here we go, you know, off into trying to raise our family. And unfortunately, it takes a lot of money to do those kind of hobbies uh, slash profession. So I had to put it on hold for the last 20-some years. And then once we reached a level of success and had people involved with us that could now work the business, we were able to get some time and have the resources to become 
to get back into the hobby that we like. So for the last seven or eight years, we've been getting to rope together and have horses together. And we moved back out of the subdivision to a small ranch. And we've been having a lot of fun with that. In, in all my travels, I get to have a lot of people that are asking me, you know, advice and things. And I never really thought I was that interesting. I mean, most of my my thing has just been perseverance. Just work real hard, see something, fail, figure out how to not fail the next time and go back and work. So when Karen came to me, you know, like like Rick, I had received a lot of advice from Karen, whether she knew it or not. And we had a lot of late night phone conversations that we talked about different ideas. And uh, when she mentioned it to me, I thought, oh, why would anybody, you know, why should I do this? And I thought, you know, this is something, let's get a dialogue going with listeners. Let's have people call in. Instead of talking at them, let's talking with them. And let's see what's going on out there. And that's why I was excited to join the mentors. Very cool. Now, in case you didn't get that, that was team roping. <laughs> that's roping a calf. And, uh, John, you do the healing part, right? I do. And that's when you watch it, it's extremely precise and focused. Good skills for leading a company like yours. Thank you, John. I'm going to switch now to Tom, who has a different background. Uh, Tom, same questions. So I grew up in the Chicago area in Deerfield, Illinois, from a family of six children. So I started mentoring early in life. I mentored my little brother and my little sister, kind of forced mentoring. I come from a very strong uh, media family. My grandfather founded the Chicago Times, which today is the Sun-Times, and my dad was uh, in advertising with J. Walter Thompson. Today, I have a blended family. I was a single parent, raised two children, and uh, have since remarried, and my wife brought with her two more children. Uh, Her two boys were Air Force Academy graduates. One is today the commander for the 419th Fighter Wing at Hill Air Force Base in Utah, and her oldest just retired from the Air Force as an F-16 pilot and flies as a captain for JetBlue. My children, my daughter has five children, lives in Los Angeles. Like Karen, she was also a school teacher, and I can tell you with five kids, she's mentoring all the time, so it runs in the family. My son is in the hospital field working for Sutter Health up in El Dorado, Sacramento area. And it's important to note that as I started my career, I started as a courier making a a dollar an hour. And then I went on as a laborer, as a bricklayer, and I was a member of the AFL-CIO, which was a very important part of my career. And... As the family would say, I was the black sheep in the family. Even though we came from a media background, I went on and got a degree in engineering. From there, I went to graduate school at Minnesota and Chicago. Uh, The thing that I remember about school the most, uh, and I can understand why John may have gone in a different direction. I had to work my butt, and I'm sure you worked your butt off too. But I got to tell you, getting through uh, engineering school was really hard work. So, And then graduate school was going to work at the day and going to school at night. I entered uh, aerospace and then shifted to healthcare, and I've been involved in healthcare for over 45 years. Today, I sit on the board of a couple of healthcare companies in the ophthalmology field, making uh, medical devices, ophthalmology products to improve uh, people's vision. And I also sit as executive chair of a company that's working in the area of medication management, which is a major healthcare problem costing about $317 billion a year. Uh, 
And more recently, I just became the CEO and co-founder of a company called Bryologics, which is based on technology out of Stanford by Paul Wenders Lab, which is groundbreaking research that activates latent viral cells and cancer cells. And it is the hope of this company to eradicate AIDS and in conjunction with immunotherapy, uh, certain cancers. I also am a book reviewer, and a part of my being a mentor, I will share some of the things I've learned uh, along the way, and I hope to have some of the authors that I've had the pleasure of meeting join me as guests on the show. Uh, these would include people like um, Bonnie Ware, who wrote the, five, the Top Five Regrets of Dying, How Will You Measure Your Life by Clayton Christensen, and The Road to Character by David Bricks. You get, get an idea of the types of things that I like to read. The why I want to do the show is that I've really been mentoring, and I share Rick's uh, thought that mentoring is a two-way street. I've learned as much, if not more, from those I mentor, and I'm always uh, flattered when they tell me that they've learned something from me. Uh, as a manager of people and resources, I think anybody that's been in any kind of a managerial supervisor role would know that uh, you're going to be mentoring people all along. So. The reason I'm here is really to give back. One of my avocations is I've been working in a ministry that's helped people that have lost their jobs since 2002. We've helped over 6,000 people in our parish up in Danville. Uh, we're open to people regardless of their faith tradition, and today we're helping about 1,300 people. So it's like being in the foxhole with somebody in the middle of a battle and helping them out to win the war. And it's been very rewarding. So I found uh, the rewarding aspect of mentoring and look forward to expand that through the radio. Thank you, Tom. You've heard now a little bit more about your great CEO hosts. They each bring a little different angle to the table. Now stay with us over the break because we're going to be throwing out some open questions and you do not want to miss what these mentors have to say to you. It's The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. To get more information about the program or a sponsor, to download a podcast of today's show, or to leave a question for our host, go to TheMentorsRadio.com. That's www.TheMentorsRadio.com. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. You're listening to The Mentors Radio with Rick Brudico, John Phillips, and Tom Laurie. I'm today's ringleader, Karen Walker. I'm the producer of the show. You can learn more about us at thementorsradio.com. And please bring in your questions to that website. Call in the show. You'll, hear all, you'll see all the information at thementorsradio.com. So we've just gotten to know these mentors a little bit better. I now want to throw out some questions. And the first question is that today we hear a lot about the haves, the have-not, the greedy corporations, the rich. But I think there's a tendency today to assume that people at the top, so to speak, Somehow we're born with a silver spoon. They had it on easy street. They didn't have to struggle or no hardship. But that isn't the case. Each of you have alluded to that. But talk about that. Uh, do you think that this attitude that you, when you get to the top, um, 
You never had to struggle. Do you think that could be self-destructive or self-stunting to have that false perception? Tom? So it is uh, a very good question, and I'll just share a story from my good friend Clayton Christensen, who's a professor at Harvard who wrote a a very good book, which uh, we'll get into probably in one of the shows, on how will you measure your life. Christensen at Harvard was responsible for talking to the MBA graduates in their last semester. And at the last semester, the students, after going to Harvard, getting prestigious school, getting an MBA, they wanted to talk about life and success, exactly to your point. And Christensen shared with them his experience. He came out of one of the most celebrated classes at Harvard in the MBA program, and he went to one of the reunions, and he was shocked at how unhappy almost everyone was in the room. They had made a lot of money. These are very celebrated people. It included Jeff Skilling, who is now in prison because of what he did at Enron. And he said that they drugs, alcohol, multiple wives. He said, made a lot of money. And in terms of what we say from a worldwide perspective, these are successful people. But he said they weren't. They were some of the most unhappy people he had ever met in his life. So there's a perception. And I work over in Silicon Valley, and I can tell you I know people that are made a half a billion dollars working on a billion or a billion working on two billion. And it Happiness is not about money. Happiness is not about power. Uh, It's been my experience that happiness is about doing what you're supposed to be doing and using your gifts. You know, this is something that, you know, you see a lot in social media, especially today, where they're talking about, uh, especially with the new administration coming in, where uh, he's he's, uh, had a lot of billionaires come into his cabinet and stuff. And many people are writing posts, oh, you've got all these billionaires like it's a negative thing. And I understand that there's this perception out there that these people who have been successful and made billions of dollars, that they have to be dishonest or greedy in order to succeed. I don't find that to be generally true. I think that's what's promoted in the media. I believe that most of the people that I have met that are successful a lot have majority have very good ethics. They've had very good um, work ethic. They've worked very, very hard at what they've done. They persevered. They've made a lot of mistakes and just persevered through it until they've had some successes. I, it kind of irritates me the fact that there's this idea out there that because you're successful, you've had luck or you've uh, did somebody wrong in order to gain that or had some, some you ha- that you're greedy. Because I know that many of these people, like the both of you, who are very generous, who have given a lot of their time, their money, myself, I've done the same. But also to your point, you know, success is measured in a lot of ways, uh, and it's not just financially. I have also seen some people that have done very well uh, financially that are not very happy. I would think that a lot of those people that suffer from those problems may not have got, gotten there as ethically as they can. I have put my wife and family and friends and stuff before everything. And I think that has rewarded me quite a bit. And I'm very, you know, very happy with my life, very happy with the, uh, um, you know, what, what Mary and I have, have been able to, to achieve. So this idea that because you're successful, you've had to do something wrong, I, I, you know, I find to be very insulting to a lot of people. I think it can be true, but I think the majority of people it's very insulting to. You know, uh, Karen, I want to add, too, that the other question you asked about is a silver spoon. And that's always interests me, too. And in my experience, the people that I've seen and gotten to know who have done very, very well, I would say 
just as a, an average, which certainly not scientific, most of them started with little or nothing and worked their way up. One of the reasons for that is, I think, is because unless you start sweeping the floor, you really don't know what it is to be on the bottom. And you really don't know how to make progress of where to go. So you really have to understand your craft, understand what you're trying to do, and learn that it's a team effort. It's all about working with the team and how that team works really well with you and does what you wanted to do. Which leads me to the other point uh, that I think you were alluding to is when you get to be CEO or whatever you're ahead of, I find you have less direct ability to do things than almost any other time in the company. People always say, oh, you're the CEO. You can just dictate it being done. It's not so. You have to motivate people because, remember, you're not the one that's sweeping the floor anymore. Somebody else is. So you got them to get them to sweep on time to your uh, specifications so that you get the results you want. It's not an easy process. And so I would say to you, look, at, if they had a silver spoon in their mouth, they at least knew enough to open their mouth. And if they are training, bringing people along, it's all about their organization and what they can do with that organization. So I just want to add, I think uh, as part of our role and what we'll be doing going forward, you know, we're talking like CEOs and the world that we live in. But I think you're going to find with the show, we're going to be talking about when we were sweeping the floors. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people out there that are sweeping the floors or like when I started, I was a courier and then a bricklayer. And the question is, how do you get from here to there? And We'll be sharing stories of our own journey and have guests that will come on and share their stories. The more important thing is is that there is a path for everyone. If, if you will it, you can make it happen. Right. That old saying they taught, taught us in the military, say you can, say you can't, either way you're right. And that's the key here. The key is you have to have the desire and the willingness to work really hard. And if you do work really hard, what does that mean? It means being focused on your business, focused on what you're trying to do, and grow it. And if you do that, I will assure you, you will do that. You may not make the most money, but that's not really the measure of success. Yeah, that's true. I I heard one time, uh, it was a study, I can't find the resource for this, but it was that companies that were based on faith-based principles, or we'll call it ethical principles, outperformed other companies by a factor to eight to one. And I think each of you just explained why, because you could do business on a handshake. There's a high level of trust. I believe that when you're an ethical person and you hold that first and foremost in all your business dealings and you believe that in your heart, that shines through. People that are buying from you see that, they feel it, they trust you, therefore you attract more business, you attract more happy customers, and those that want to be advocates of your service and refer you. Our business has a lot of referrals. We do a lot of uh, church businesses. We do a lot of churches in our business. So there's pastors that are talking to other pastors who are referring us, and we have a lot of them that go out and really you know, promote us because they're so happy with the commitment that we've shown them and the ethics that we've shown them. And it's been good. And I think that reigns through through a lot of a lot of different businesses. If that will shine through. Well, I, my first uh, job in the healthcare field was with American Hospital Supply, which was founded by the son of a Methodist pastor. And let me tell you, those faith-based principles rippled through the organization. And one of the rules he had when he hired people, because that's one of the – we get – sometimes uh, blinded by degrees and everything else. Uh, Foster McGaw was his name. He had one rule. Is this somebody I could bring home to Sunday dinner to my family? That's oh, that's great. excellent. Yes. Yep, very true. So we're wrapping up this little section. You're going to hear a lot more when you tune into the show week after week because more things will come out of the show and you can hear how it's going. 
But the next section will be really interesting. We're bringing on a young professional, and he's going to be mentored live before you. So hang on to the other side of the break. See you then. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Hey, welcome back to the show, TheMentorsRadio.com, if you want to leave a question for our great CEO mentors. This section of the show today, we have someone in the studio, 26-year-old, great young professional, a go-getter. His name is JW, and JW will be asking The Mentors questions. So here we go. Take it away, JW. Thanks, Karen. I appreciate you having me on today. Um, Just to start out, so as Karen mentioned, I am 26 years old. I've been out of college for about two years, and I'm trying to grow as a professional. I heard you guys discuss a lot about ethics. I think one of the things that I've seen a lot in business, working in different companies so far to college, is young professionals um, have a tendency to not be able to see that side of it and what kind of ethics will help them grow professionally. So can you guys touch a little bit more on that and how that has helped your career path develop? Uh, This is uh, Tom Laurie cutting in here. There's a couple of things that come to mind. There was a very good book a few years ago called Head, Heart, and Guts. And it talks about a good person in their role will have uh, clear thinking, have emotional uh, skills, be able to deal with people, and then guts. And the authors of the book who I subsequently talked to, they kind of left the guts part open in terms of where do they come from. And they talk about the importance of guts, making the tough decision. And that comes down to ethics. Because there are many times, regardless of where you are in an organization or in your career, where you're going to be faced with the two least worst situations we got to make a choice between two bad things and there is no other way to do it so that takes a lot of guts and as you think through that the guts have to come from something that's transcendental something where their values something where uh and i would for me it's faith-based but that would be very very important the second thing i'd add is that very early in my career uh, one of the first uh, company presidents that I worked under, not for, uh, always said, just do what's right for the business. Do what's right for the business, which means from time to time, you're going to have to make sacrifices for yourself. You're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it for the business. And that's a pretty good rule of thumb. And doing right for the business means its reputation, how it's dealing with its customers. It, it's a very holistic approach. But it's never left me. And I've made some very tough decisions That actually hurt me, but it was the right thing to do for the business. But over time, it turned out that it was the best thing, not only for the business, but for me. You know, J.W., let me add in here uh, something that uh, I think is important. It goes back to when you were a youngster. And just think of what your mother told you. Don't do that. And why? Because it's not right. I mean, we have inbred in us. We know right from wrong. We know good from bad. And the simple matter is, is when you're taking unfair advantage of somebody else or something else or some condition, it's just not ethical. It's not the right thing to do. So if you always think about what's the right thing to do, what would my mother say? And I think this even today, what would my mother say if I was sitting here right now? She'd say, do this or do that. And I know that's the way I should go. 
uh, I, I also would tell you that it's uh, one of the things that a, a guy that I worked with told me long ago was, look, business is about doing something, doing a service, and hopefully making a profit. And he would say that there's three elements of making a profit. You have to have a value proposition, it has to be ethical, and it has to be moral. And if you hit those three things, you'll be successful. Now think about that. So many people that do unethical things think they have to cheat and connive to do it. But the reality of the situation is usually it's costing them. They don't realize it at that moment. It may not be until they see that their reputation, like John was talking about a little bit ago, all of our business is based on reputation in the long run. And so until that happens, you don't know. And I think ethical will get you there every time. It's really hard to tell the same lie twice. Yeah, I wouldn't judge decisions based on the bottom line. Judge decisions like Tom was saying on what's right. Rick was saying what was right. That will, if your customers, whenever they sign up to a service for you, they're entrusting you to take care of them and provide that service. If you put their interests in, in mind and, and what's right instead of the bottom line first, the bottom line will eventually just take care of right. itself. That's right. Thank you. I appreciate that. My next question is about work life balance. I'm a 26 year old about to get married in September. And as my career develops and stuff, um, I'm kind of concerned about my relationship with my fiance and how to balance that. How have you guys done that and been successful with it? So this, Rick, let me take a crack at that. Um, I think the first and foremost thing is that when you talk about life, um, a lot of people say they have fun at their job. You know, I want to work somewhere where I can have a good time all the time. And this type of thing. I would say to you, it's possible, but that's usually not the case. The instant usually the case is that you're working to live. And why are you working to live? To provide those things for, in your case, your fiance and, and subsequently your family that will make a better life for you and give them better opportunities. So what I do think is it's really critical that you focus on your work, especially early on in your career. Focus on your work, focus on your direction, and focus on what you're going to get accomplished. But that's to say never abandon the family, never abandon the fact that you've got a family and you have to make sure that you, as much as you can, be there for them when they're needed. But I will end my little kind of soliloquy here by telling you, if anybody tells you it's not hard work, they're lying to you. (laughs) That's exactly right, because it will be hard work. I think that, and I've not always been successful about this, because you do get dedicated to your work, and you've got a lot of people pulling from you. You've got a lot of families responsible for the decisions you made. Uh, I think that it's best that you set set aside time for yourself so that you can do the things that you want to do, whether that's playing around to golf or whether that's working out in the morning or whether it's, in Tom's case, reading a book or reading hundreds of books. (laughs) Tom reads a lot of books, we found out. Um, But I think that's important, as well as setting aside some time for them. One of the things that's been very successful for me and my wife is we have a hot tub, and each night we spend a few minutes in a hot tub. Sometimes it's five, sometimes it's 15, but I spend some time with her. It's not a lot of time, but I'm completely involved uh, engaged with her at that time. Same with what I've tried to do with my kids while they were growing up. And the same thing you have to do for yourself. I think it's, it's all about balance and you have to make sure that all those, all those factors are important into success. And it's, um, not easy and it's a challenge. And there'll be times when you are probably going to be overboard from a work standpoint. And, you live in the Bay Area, you know Silicon Valley, and there are people in many companies who essentially work 24-7, and they have beds in the buildings where people can stay and sleep at night. 
and they have no family. They have no balance in their life. So we're in a culture, and I think it extends beyond Silicon Valley, where the challenges, and I think even more so for young people, are greater than ever before on trying to find this balance. The thing that a um, couple of rules I've always had is that, and I did a fair amount of traveling in my career, is that if I was home, I never did work on a weekend. And if I was home, I always had dinner with the family at 6 o'clock. And I made that a standing rule to make sure that I was present. But it is challenging, and it will be challenging, and you have to fight for it. Well, J.W., we sure do appreciate you being on the show today, and I hope you'll continue to listen and tell all your friends about the show. It's the 26-year-olds and -and up-and-coming entrepreneurs and career people that we would sure like to be able to help as much as we could. We're going to be back after a short break here and hear a conclusion from Karen Walker. You're listening to The Mentors. It's The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. To get more information about the program or a sponsor, to download a podcast of today's show, or to leave a question for our host, go to TheMentorsRadio.com. That's www.TheMentorsRadio.com. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Okay, welcome back to TheMentorsRadio.com. I don't want you to forget that. We're here with Rick Brudico, John Phillips, and Tom Laurie, who are your CEO mentors. And we're just going to do a quick wrap, 30-second John, tell us what we can expect when we hear you're on the show. Well, I hope that we get a lot more guests on there that uh, that actually asking questions like JW was kind enough to come over. That's always fun to interact and hear what other people are thinking. Uh, as a CEO, sometimes you you're, you feel like you're always the one directing, and it's nice to hear what, what the people that are out there growing are doing. Um, I've also got a... Uh, some special guests. One is uh, Chris Smith with Campfire Effect. I'm looking forward to. He's been very good about learning how to tell your story and marketing and branding. I've got some legal advice and things coming on from uh, you know about starting businesses and how to do it with some different people that I've used over the past. Uh, some co-employers uh, that will help you with your human resource stuff uh, and things. I think that should be very, very helpful. So I look forward to that over the next several shows and being able to help out. And more importantly, I'd really like to see a lot of questions coming into the mentorsradio.com. And Rick, quick wrap. So I guess I really enjoyed the process today and I enjoyed uh, being here in studio with the the other two gentlemen and yourself, Karen, and especially JW. And I echo uh, John's comments that uh, the important part of this seems to me to be able to interact with somebody who has an issue, and an issue that we've lived but may not have really thought about it, and give them some ideas. So I, too, am looking forward to that kind of an interaction. I will bring on, I think for my first guest, a lady who really taught me a lot when she's had a very varied career, and she came back and said to me one, I said to her, how did you do all that? And she said, because I learned early on you have to bring your talents to whatever job you do. And I said, that's interesting. Where did you get that? She said, you told me it about 10 years ago. So for me, it's what's driving me forward, and I'm looking forward to having her on. It's going to be a great show. And now, Tom, I'm going to have you wrap up the show and take, get us into next week. 
Well, as we go forward, one of the areas that I'll, I will address, uh, and we certainly didn't have a chance to dis- address today amongst the three of us, has to do with fear and uncertainty. Uh, often younger people in particular don't realize that many of us who are in those higher level positions live with, live with fear and uncertainty uh, every day of our lives. Uh, in the world of startups, it's a matter of making a payroll. And there are times when you have no cash. And we'll talk about those things. So I'm going to close by telling you that next week, one of the most important things that you learn about yourself comes from a phrase, know thyself. My guest next week will be Joseph Cavanaugh, who is the founder and president of Equip to Equip. He's the former lead partner for the Gallup Organization's StrengthsFinder program. He's worked with over 6,000 people, helping them to gain valuable insights on their gifts. He is a gifted presenter. He brings insight and clarity to knowing who you are so you can use your gifts in a very effective way. And he'll show you how to qualify those strengths and strategize your core values for success. And I think you're going to find he's a world-class guest, a world-class presenter. StrengthsFinder 2.0 is one of the best-selling books. It has consistently been on the New York Times top 10 list since its publication in 2007. It provides a detailed analysis of your strengths and how to maximize them. The results are deep and thorough, and readers will not be disappointed with the analysis. We use this in our ministry to have people learn how to articulate why they are unique and what makes them different and how they then can show an employer or somebody, and they use it in families. We have a great story about a gentleman that used this in his family, how people can understand the uniqueness of other people in their lives. If you have any questions or comments or suggested topics, as Karen has said, go to mentorsradio.com. And don't forget, free podcasts of this and other shows will be available on demand at thementorsradio.com. Until next week, this is Rick Brutico, John Phillips and me, Tom Laurie, your mentors for life and career, urging you to be all that you can be and to keep the candle lit for those who struggle in the darkness. It's been The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. To get more information about the program or a sponsor, to download a podcast of today's show, or to leave a question for our host, go to TheMentorsRadio.com. That's www.TheMentorsRadio.com. The preceding program, copyright CBJ, LLC. All rights reserved.